Turn your attention to the Scriptures. We are back in the Gospel of John this morning. You can follow this uh, in the order of worship if you'd like to look on there. And just to let you know, uh, there is a verse missing. And uh, this, is, this is my fault, but uh, we will go to verse 7 on chapter 9, 1 through 7, and then pick back up in verse 35. So I will just read a part after verse 6 that's not on the bulletin, but it is in God's Word. And um, we'll look there. We're, we're resuming a study, as I mentioned. We've been studying the Gospel of John. And uh, if you are here this morning and you're not convinced of these things, but maybe you're looking into who is Jesus, what did He claim, and uh, what is Christianity, this, I hope this will be very profitable for you. The Gospel of John is a great place to look. And even if you don't continue coming, uh, I would love for you to read the Gospel of John to really get at who Jesus is and what He did and, uh, and what He said. Let me say this before we look at, at this text. And I've said this before, but it's, it's very much worth bearing in mind before we hear this passage. When you, when you see John in this gospel, this book of the Bible, record Jesus' miracles, he makes it clear, especially on the front end, that these are signs. They're signs. They're not just random wonder-working. They're signs. Why is that important? Okay, what do signs do? Uh, I, I will never forget uh, one time when my wife and I were in a Walmart and uh, we walked into one of those areas where there's a uh, wet floor sign or maybe there wasn't a wet floor sign. I can't remember. There was a wet floor sign and I looked up and, you know, on a wet floor sign there's the stick figure, you know, in, in, in midair. And I looked up and Dana w- was in that position and uh, through no fault of her own, but, I, you know, Signs point to greater realities than just, you know, well, I think the stick figure means that you could possibly, you know, it's pointing to a bigger thing. And Jesus' miracles are signs. And here's what that means. When He, for instance, raises someone from the dead, that's not just, okay, ta-da! You know, any questions about me being powerful? Any, any que- but it's, it's a sign. And what it's saying is this, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal, but that is a sign of a bigger thing he can do. The bigger thing he can do is that those who are dead spiritually, he can raise. Not take to the hospital, but where there is no life, give life. That's the big thing. That the physical thing was a sign. Uh, you walk up, he'll walk up to someone who, who cannot hear. And heal the deaf. And it's amazing. You think about, what if I'd never heard and I started... If you had no categories for sound, to hear sound, what rejoicing. But it's a sign, and it's God's way of saying, listen, that is incredible. That's my son letting you feel my kindness in tangible ways. But it's pointing to the bigger thing. Now, the body, this body will die. But He can enable you to hear. Your heart that is plugged shut with our sin and idolatry, He can enable you to hear. And what we're about to see in this text is Jesus going to a man, and and His felt needs are very clear, that they're very evident. And Jesus addresses those, but keep in mind it's a sign. 
you and I will probably never experience a miracle quite like this. I'm not saying God can't, but probably not. But what's available to us is the thing it signifies. It is offered to all, and it's the greater miracle. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. As he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his, or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, in verse 7, and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Picking up in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. This means the religious leaders had cast the healed man out of the synagogue. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Amen. Let's ask God to bless our time in the Word. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that all that obstructs our vision, even if it is this morning the the inability to see, even if our problem is not that something's in the way, but that we do not possess the ability to see, would you this morning give us in this room sight to see your word and to see your son. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're visiting this morning, let me say this before I go any further. I'm about to Uh, refer to something. I'm not going to use the name, but if you were watching the news this week, you're going to know who I'm talking about. I don't do this very often, um, but I feel the need to do it this morning, and I think you'll see what I mean here now. Haiti has dominated the news this week, and of course there are all sorts of subsets of, of that 
dominant story and, uh, and the responses to it. One of the stories has been um, what an evangelical leader in the United States said this week. Uh, the statement was that the reason why this, this devastation in Haiti uh, happened, why this is actually understandable, is that generations ago, the nation of Haiti made a pact with the devil. And the pact with the devil was that, you know, if this, if this can stop being just this uh, French colony and the, and the French can leave and we can have our own nation, then, then we'll make a pact with the devil. And when that was done, then you just opened yourself up to this, to this kind of devastation. So that's why it happened. This, this same person did this after September 11th. And my hope would be that as you see this text this morning, it speaks directly to what's wrong with that. Directly. Because it may have been that you heard this story or, or saw this and thought, man, that's just, that is just wrong but it may be hard to explain why it's wrong. Because here's the thing. I mean, the Bible does speak in terms of God sometimes sending devastation on a people or a land or even an individual. And sometimes it is in the context of there is rebellion. So, okay, well, well then wait a minute. Do we need to backpedal and say maybe he has a point? How do we think about this? Th- this text really comes at a very good time as we pick back up in the Gospel of John. And what I want to look at is this, it's twofold this morning, Um, is just vision lost and then vision granted, okay? Vision lost and then vision granted. And I'll say this too and then we'll look at the text. I've mentioned this several times in here, especially this past summer as we were in some really kind of technical Old Testament passages about the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and priests and sacrifices, something that we said several times is this, and this can help us this morning. When you look at a text of Scripture and you're not quite sure what to do with it, a helpful grid to run it through can be this. All right, let's pull back and ask these questions. What does this text show me about people, about me, who needs redeeming? And what does this text show me about God who does the redeeming? That's the grid. What does this text show me about mankind, people who need the redeeming? What does this show me about the God who does the redeeming? I want to use that template on that text this morning. Let's start off with vision lost. Vision lost. Let's just read the first few verses here. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, there is so much going on in this text, we're not going to hit on everything. But let's, let's stop there. Let's just stop right there, put the brakes on, and ask this question. What does this show us? about ourselves. What does this show us about ourselves? And it's this. It is the bent of our hearts to see a direct cause and effect between particular sins and devastation. And it's especially the bent of religious people of all kinds. 
to say that, well, this bad thing has happened, so I'm left going, well, then what bad thing did I do? Or this bad thing happened over there, so we're left with the question, well, then what bad thing did they do to, to bring that on themselves? And it's just very instinctive to do this. In fact, in, in the verses that are not in the bulletin, the in-between part, between the parts that we read, there's this interrogation that takes place between this man that a lot of people recognize that he was a blind man. And just kind of everybody saw him. He's, that's his mat and that's his spot and he's a beggar and he's always been blind from birth. And all of a sudden, they round the corner and they see this man walking and looking, and he can see. It's so shocking that some people go, uh, he, he must just look like the guy. And they do some more investigation and say, no, that's the man. And the religious leaders interrogate him, and it really comes to a point where they say to him, look, who is this guy that healed you? Where did he come from? And he says to them, you know, that's amazing that you're the religious leaders, and you don't know where he came from. Do you want to be his disciples too? And their response to him, very angry, is, you were born in utter sin. Do not lecture us. Now, there it is again. That if you were born blind, that's, here's what that tells us. Somebody somewhere sinned grievously. It's probably you. And, you know, it's easy to look at the Pharisees, and they can kind of be like cartoon characters that you just kind of throw rocks. Boo, boo, down with the Pharisees. And not see ourselves. Let, let me ask you this. If, if we were watching the news, let's say it's a month from now, Haiti is still very big in the news, but let's say it, it's kind of died down, there's other stories coming to the front again. Let's say a month from now, the news story was, um, it's been released today that Tiger Woods has just been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. What would go through our minds? I know what would go through my mind cause and effect. And here's the thing. It's, you, you can aim that two different places. You can, it's bad either way, but you can aim it out there or you can actually aim it in on yourself. Like something bad happens out there and your thought is, well, then I wonder uh, what's behind that. And sometimes the way that we couch that, this is, well, maybe God is trying to get their attention. Now, that is haughty, but it can also be devastating when you turn it in on yourself because, I mean, let's just think in terms of our context right now. Job losses, financial setbacks, nervousness. So let's say you personally experience a setback. You lose your job. Or, uh, or they're downsizing, so you're getting paid less to do a couple of people or three people's jobs. Or you get sick. Or something goes sour. And you have this great setback, and you start to interrogate yourself. Well, what did I do? And God's trying to get my attention. And you start going through your life to figure out what, what is the sin that He's trying to get my attention about that caused Him to send this to me. And there's at least a couple of problems with that. Number one, let's just say this. God never tries to get your attention. You know why? Because God never tries to do anything. 
We try to do things, and sometimes we pull it off, and sometimes we don't. God never, ever tries. If He purposes, it happens. The correspondence between His decrees and what actually happens is 100%. So God tries to get your attention. If He wants your attention, trust me. If He wants my attention, trust me, He'll have it on His terms. Problem one. But problem two is this, is that as we sort of like go back over, you know, our daily planner, look at me looking at hard copy, okay? I'm looking through my iPhone. I'm looking back. I'm just, all I'm, all I'm using is my finger. I'm looking back through my daily planner, or I'm just, you know, or I'm lying in bed, I'm reviewing my life, and I'm just thinking about what is it that I'm doing that God... That is so telling about us. That is so telling about us because we tend to lump it into one of the biggies. It's, well, it's, it's my cussing. Or it's pornography. Or I'm not talking to enough people or anybody about Jesus. I once heard a student when I was in campus ministry. He had just lost his father suddenly, unexpectedly, and he told the campus minister, I, I was not the campus minister, he told the campus minister that, you know, I've wondered if God is trying to get my attention that I don't evangelize. And that is not who God is. And that is in us. And I would say this, look, our not evangelizing, our, the usage of pornography, our cussing, our temper, tip of the iceberg. When our feet hit the floor and we do not love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, that's the iceberg. And very few of us say, you know, I just had a car wreck. That must be because I do not love the Lord my God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. It is a fallen world. And Jesus says this, guys, don't, don't try to decode the cause and effect The reason he was born blind is because God has a plan. And I want to say this before I go to the next thing. There's a verse that's in the New Testament that I would not recommend that you quote to someone in tragedy. It's Romans 8.28. It says that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. When someone's in tragedy, do not quote that to them because it'll sound like a rubber stamp or like you're tying up their pain with a, with a neat little silver bow. But at the end of the day, that verse is true. That God will cause Haiti and global economic downturns and deaths and tragedies and strains and loneliness to work together for the good to those who love Him and to those who are called according to His purpose. All right, what about vision granted? The first thing is this. Jesus heals him physically. And he heals him in a strange way. Did you catch that? Jesus, it's nice that we have a biblical account of Jesus doing something as earthy as spitting. God incarnate. He spits on the ground. He must have spat quite a bit. And he takes it and he makes mud out of it and he applies it to the eyes of the man and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And that location has come up in John already in a sign. And it's interesting that John says here, by the way, that name means sent. 
And that's a little something he gives to the reader that might make you go, sent. Who is sent? Oh, yeah. God the Son. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And there we go. And it says the man goes and he washes and he comes back seeing. And what's... A lot of people have pondered, why did he do that? Sometimes Jesus, without even saying anything, he will heal someone from a distance. Somebody will come on a servant or a child's behalf and say, I don't know what to do, can you do anything? And Jesus will say, yes. And they go all the way back home, already healed. And he could have done that, but he spits and he makes mud and puts it on his eyes. Why did he do that? We don't know. But we can at least say this. Our God, who would have every right not to save us, and then would have every right to save us, but just to give us information. There's the data. More than you deserve. Way beyond what you could deserve. Just process that. But He accommodates us in sensory ways. This man has never seen All he's done is heard and felt and smelled. And so Jesus lets him feel his hands-on ministry to him. They go wash in water. Accommodates him. But I don't want to stop there because there's something else interesting here. Jesus goes and finds him a second time. And the reason I say second time, the first time was not initiated by the man, nor was it initiated by the disciples. Their question was not, Rabbi, will you heal this man? And they had sure seen him do enough that that might have been a good question. But their question was a theological question. What's what's the history of sin here? But it was Jesus who initiated with the man, and it's Jesus who initiated the healing But Jesus initiates a second time when he finds out that the religious leaders have sort of excommunicated, well, no, sort of, they excommunicate this man, and Jesus goes and finds him, and he starts to get to the greater reality. I did the sign, but I want to come find you and talk about the thing it signified. And he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man says, you aim me, you know, aim me toward him so I can believe in him. And Jesus says, well, the one speaking to you right now is he. And did you catch what it said? He worshipped him. Now, mentally try to form the picture. That doesn't mean that he hugged Jesus and said, oh, thank you, thank you for healing me. When it says he worshipped him, it means that, I mean, he genuflected and probably was prostrate and praised him. And in first century Judea, to do that before a mortal man standing there was punishable by death. But because God worked in his heart and because God came after him, he knows this is the deal. And he worships him. And then there's this last little follow-up. Jesus is reflecting on light and sight and blindness. And those religious leaders, the Pharisees, hear that. And they say, oh, are we blind? 
And the long and the short of it is Jesus says, yes, you are. If you had said we can't see, you would have manifested sight. But when you say that we can see, you show that you are blind. He says this more than once. Somebody said, you know, the Pharisees are upset about that thing you said over there. Matthew 15, Jesus says, leave them alone. They're blind guides. Blind, leading the blind. What does this teach us about ourselves? And then what does it teach us about God as we wrap up? First thing, it teaches us about ourselves that you can think you see. And I'll even up that. You can think you see because you're a student of the Bible and you can still be blind. I would put the biggest doofus, um, least intelligent Pharisee up against anybody in this room for Old Testament knowledge, he would devastate you. Devastate you. No contest. Rigorous study of the law and the prophets and prayer and worship and tithing and really, to their way of thinking, evangelism. You can do all that and not see. And I hope in your heart right now that's making some of you say, how do I know if that's me? And I'll give you as distilled an answer as I can. It's if you find that when you study the Bible, and some of you don't, but many of you do, if you find that you study the Bible and your takeaway is a growing, burdensome sense of all the stuff I need to do. That's the takeaway. Rather than when you interact with the Bible, what you are led to do is to kneel before Jesus. Because if we walk away from these times, or community groups, or Bible reading, or another Bible study you're in, and what you leave with is, oh, yep, that's right, it's true, it's true, need to tighten up on that, Bible says it, need to do it. Or we come away with, you know, I'm so glad that Jesus, because God is everywhere, I'm so glad He is there to help me meet the goals that I need to meet. Blindness. Sight is believing. You know, we say seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. And whether you are brand new to this or you have been a Christian for decades... When God's Word is open and we come away with this knowledge that I could not see unless you open my eyes. And only you can open my eyes. That means you're seeing. And I want to end with this. We've been talking about what does the text show us about ourselves. I want to end with this. What does it show us about God? Did you catch what Jesus said? You know, we've got to do the works of the one who sent me. You know, it's night, it's light right now, but it's going to be night. We've got to do the works. And then he heals the man. What does that tell you? Jesus understood that when I heal this guy, I'm doing the work of the one who sent me. And what does that tell you? God sent his son to do things like this. 
He sent his son to do the signs, but he sent his son to do the greater things that the signs signify. And let's end with this. Do you lack sight? You can have no sight because you have no belief, but you can believe and still have muddled sight because we lapse into thinking, Jesus is going to help me be a better person. You know what the answer is? Is to go to the risen Christ, whom we don't see physically, but we see by faith, and to kneel before Him, to prostrate ourselves before Him and say, if you don't show me reality, I cannot see. But if you open my eyes, I'll see God. I'll see myself. I'll see this world. I'll see Haiti the way it really is. If you don't have sight, go to Jesus and cry out. Amen. Let's pray. Father, for your word, we thank you. Some of us don't see because we've never seen. All of us were born blind. And we can't see you or ourselves because we've never seen. And we pray, Lord, that you would grant sight in your mercy. Grant sight. And let the first token of it be the woman here, the man here who says, I need mercy because they're seeing. Father, for those here this morning who you've, to whom you've given sight, but our sight is blocked or obstructed by our sins or our attempts to save ourselves and not need you, take the blinders from our eyes that we might kneel before Jesus again. He would give us life and sight, and we would see. We pray in His name. Amen.